The Denver Broncos poach a player off the Las Vegas Raiders practice squad, and this player could contribute in a big-time role for the Broncos this season. Could Denver also look at other options, not to mention Tim Jenkins joins us to talk about Teddy Bridgewater and the Broncos' offensive performance from Week 3 and what they need to do in Week 4 to come out on top. We break all that down in today's brand-new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are Locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Thank you so much for jumping in and joining us for a brand new episode, Lockdown Broncos. Thank you for making this podcast your first listen every single day from the South Stands to the End Zone. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, joined alongside my co-host, Sarah Bettinger. Both of us, we cover the Denver Broncos for the Lockdown NFL Network and Nine News. You can follow us on our Twitter handles. Just a reminder, Lockdown Broncos is available free and everywhere you get your podcasts, not to mention here on YouTube. So it would mean the world to Sarah and myself if you hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on a day's worth of Denver Broncos news content and coverage. Sarah, great to see you, my friend. Look, it is Ravens week officially. The Broncos win against the Jets. It's nice to look back on it. We got the All-22 film finally on it. A lot of things to take away, and obviously we'll ask Tim Jenkins about the Broncos offensive performance, but obviously the bigger news this week, we know KJ Hamler was announced yesterday. His ACL is torn. He's out for the year. The Broncos, they go out and they make a move, and they poach a player from the practice squad of the Las Vegas Raiders. And that is David Moore, who's been with the Raiders. He's been with the Panthers. He's also been with the Seattle Seahawks. And he might be one of those big-time players. It might be under the radar here for the Broncos. I think so, Cody. And, yeah, it's good to talk to you, too. It's good to see you. It's good to be talking some Broncos football. Still undefeated at this point in time. Still room on the bandwagon. I know a lot of people are waiting to get on until after this Ravens game. So, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, I'm excited about this David Moore pickup. You know, it wasn't one of the hundred that I feel like I came up with um, over the weekend. But, of course, George Payton staying on brand. What did he do? He poached somebody off of a practice squad. We've seen him do that already before a number of times. And he also took somebody who has an elite RAS relative athletic score. And, and I think that it's just it's just on brand. 13 touchdowns over the last three seasons. I think it was essential that the Broncos got at least one guy that has actual NFL experience with KJ Hamler going down. You're already dealing with Jerry Judy being out with that ankle injury. So I love the pickup. I love that you steal from the Raiders. Got a game coming up with them in, in a couple of weeks here. So definitely get some good intel from David Moore. Definitely uh, take a take away from an area of strength from a team that's frankly pretty darn good at wide receiver. The Raiders are pretty stacked there right now and they're unlike the Broncos healthy at that position so that frees them up to then steal David Moore and and I like that move well and I think you make a great point too talking about the Raiders look and, and I know as much as it pains Broncos country to admit the Raiders have a pretty good football team right now and they are so explosive on offense they're the number one offense right now in the NFL they pose a big threat so obviously having David Moore for some intel is great but maybe the role he could fill on the Broncos offense we'll talk a little bit with Tim Jenkins about that but Sarah you know I feel like this begs the question even though that the Broncos they go out and they get David Moore off of the practice squad from the Raiders they put him on the active roster more than likely when KJ goes to IR officially in your opinion do you feel like the Broncos should still make another signing on the free agency market there's two guys available that come to mind that have been discussed John Brown obviously and not to mention Golden Tate who's played in the Pat Shermer offense before definitely definitely Cody I think that you know you saw of, of course like I mentioned Jerry Judy going down with the ankle injury now KJ Hamler going down 
with the knee injury. Those two players were expected to play massive roles in the offense this year. And I think as much as the Broncos have enjoyed playing in that 13 personnel, I don't think they necessarily want to live in that. So at this point, you're one injury to Tim Patrick or Cortland Sutton away from running Deontay Spencer and Kendall Hinton out there. And to be completely honest, as much as we've talked up Kendall Hinton, the Hall of Fame QB, right? We've talked him up and Vic Fangio talked him up in the offseason. He's only played nine snaps, Cody, in two games and one special team snap. So to me, that indicates that the Broncos aren't really ready to put him into into the fire, into the action. I know he caught one ball um, in week two, so that's great and everything. But I think you do need somebody with experience. That's where David Moore comes into play. But I think that was kind of move one out of two. I think you want to get another guy in there that can provide you a little bit more insurance. We have some precedent for that. With George Payton going out after the Jawan James injury, he picks up Cam Fleming and Bobby Massey, of course. So there's some precedent for them attacking a knee like that. And, and frankly, you've lost two starting caliber guys. You've got to replace them with two guys. You, you didn't necessarily plan on Deontay Spencer. So like you mentioned, Golden Tate, a guy, and this is what you want to look for when you're looking for potential additions, right? Most of the time anyway, just across the NFL in general, but coaching connections, those are huge. So Golden Tate has a coaching connection to the Broncos, a very clear one. Pat Shermer, they were together in 2019 with the New York Giants. The Giants trade Odell Beckham Jr. Then they go out and kind of make a confusing move and sign Golden Tate right after that. So he played for a season under Pat Shermer. He knows the offense. He's a free agent. He talked about on Good Morning Football the fact that, you know, you'll see him in a stadium or Coliseum sometime soon. So he's going to be back playing in the near future. Maybe it's in Denver. And then John Brown. I remember bringing this up, Cody, on Sunday, just even like right at the end of the game, during the game. And of course, everybody responds, oh, no, 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 Justin or John Brown, he's got the sickle cell, you know, issue. He can't play in Denver. He can't play in the mile high air. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Back in 2019, it was reported John Brown and the Broncos had mutual interest in free agency. And of course, at that time, everybody, including me, is like, well, that can't happen. He's got the sickle cell trait. Well, that's not an issue for John Brown. It, it's it's not an issue for the Denver Broncos. They've already been down that road. They've already explored that potential issue, and both parties have been comfortable with it in the past. John Brown has played in Denver for a regular season game when he was with the Cardinals, a preseason game later on down the line. So I definitely think those are two options. And you talk about replacing K.J. Hamler and what he brings to the table. Is there anybody more exactly fit for that role than John Brown? I mean, he has the speed to take the top off of defenses, and he's proven in this league, unlike Hamler. Of course, we all love the potential of K.J. Hamler, but John Brown is a proven commodity. So I'd be great with any of those additions, Cody. And I think on top of David Moore, I think it just kind of gives you peace of mind for when Jerry Judy comes back, if he struggles with the ankle a little bit, or if either one of your other top two guys, now Tim Patrick or Cortland Sutton, tweaks anything, you can be comfortable knowing that you've got two other guys that can step in. Oh, wouldn't it be golden for the Denver Broncos wide receiver core to come over with either John Brown or Golden Tate? Little pun there. You know, there is one Brown that we always loved, you know, the last couple of years was downtown Fred Brown, but downtown John Brown is a real legitimate thing. And, and also another point too, he spent time with the Raiders this offseason. He knows a little bit about them too. So you know what? Might have to unleash the weapon of John Brown against his former team for a brief moment in the next couple of weeks here for the Denver Broncos. But Broncos country, let us know who you think the Broncos should maybe take a look at. Should they add an additional wide receiver alongside David Moore? Let us know in the comment section down below on YouTube or on Twitter at Lockdown Broncos at Cody Rourke NFL. But coming up here in just a moment, Tim Jenkins 
And we are all elite with him here once again as he joins us to talk about the Broncos' Week 3 offensive performance and what they need to do against the Baltimore Ravens in Week 4's action. We get to that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, I have to tell you about the two sponsors. Today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, that's a good friends of their BetOnline.ag and get upside. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action and for all your professional and college football needs. BetOnline.ag is the number one source for everything football-related this season. And not to mention, with a new updated site and user interface, they make it easier for you to find more contests, get in on the odds, and even more props that you can get access to at BetOnline.ag today so you never have to miss out on all the action for the pro and college football betting action. So I want you to head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and use promo code LOCKEDON. That's going to get you a 100% deposit match bonus today. That's almost double your initial deposit at betonline.ag. Once again, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And our good friends over there at GetUpside. And ladies and gentlemen, you never have to pay full price at the gas pump anymore with the GetUpside app, which is free to download and is available in all your favorite app stores or even Google Play. And the reason I use GetUpside in my day-to-day, it helps me save money when I fill up my gas tank. Even though the gas prices, they get expensive, I actually end up saving more money with GetUpside. And you can use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to an additional $0.25 per gallon cash back when you fill up your tank today. And with promo code TOUCHDOWN, that additional $0.25 can get you up to $0.50 per gallon cash back on your first fill-up, the GetUpside app. And for those who drive a lot, you can make up to $200 to $300 a month alone in cash back, which you can cash out using your bank account, PayPal, or you can even get that in Amazon or other gift cards by other brands. So check it out. Get Upside app today. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back today on your first tank fill up. That is the Get Upside app. We are elite as always with Tim Jenkins' presence here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. Just a reminder, Broncos country, thank you so much for making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day every single day. We are always excited to have Tim Jenkins here, obviously covering the Broncos, quarterback play, the offense, and all things QB on his YouTube channel. Make sure you hit that subscribe button there so you get some of the breakdowns, some of the nuances from rookie quarterbacks to all of the veteran guys, not to mention Teddy Bridgewater. You get that every single week on his YouTube channel, all things QB. Tim, thank you for joining us, my man. Great to see you again. I'm pumped up. Thanks for having me. Always. So let's get into the action right now. The Broncos, a shutout victory over the New York Jets in week three, 26 to zero. And collectively, once again, controlling the time of possession, 35 minutes and 47 seconds. When you look at the statistics, it's great, right? But going back and watching the film, I know Sarah and I had touched on it initially, immediately following the game. We felt like there were some missed opportunities there. Now, in your opinion, what was the overview of the Broncos offense and Teddy Bridgewater from Sunday's game against the Jets? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I would be willing to bet everyone who watched the Broncos game kind of had the same reaction, which is it kind of felt like underwhelming offensively. I think defensively, you know, it, you pitch a shutout, so it couldn't possibly be underwhelming. But I think <laughs> offensively, it felt underwhelming because there wasn't like a ton of new um, – you know, I think it was kind of recycled, right, in terms of, hey, we, we took, they took concepts from each week. When I went and watched the tape, it turned out there were some new concepts, but the way they dressed up the old concepts, you know, to a defense, it looks new. So I, I, I think there are some things to take away from it and feel better about. I also have to remind myself that, man, anytime you walk away from a game feeling underwhelmed and you fumbled the ball at the one-yard line and you still scored 26, like, it's a good day, right? Like, 
if if we if they'd have walked out of there scoring 33 points, I think everyone would have felt like, oh, okay, like we scored 33. So I think it's one of those things that you kind of take with a grain of salt. Um, I almost wonder how much of it was they didn't really feel like they needed new stuff to attack this defense. Like the defense was very similar to what they saw in weeks one and two. So it's like, do you really need new concepts or do we just need to dress up some of our old ones? And I think that's kind of the route they went. The KJ Hamler injury, obviously, you know, is just a devastating one in terms of what they were trying to do with their shot plays. They were obviously trying to use KJ for those. And then he goes down and, and I, and I think anytime you lose somebody as a player, there's like, there's kind of a weird funk about the game, the rest of the game, you know, just kind of one of those things where you're playing somebody that you know, you're going to be, you, one of your guys just went down. It just kind of like, it ended up in kind of a weird day. Obviously it was a great win, a great team win, but it did kind of, you kind of walked away from the game wanting more from that offense, but at the same time feeling like they kind of did what they had to do to to be three and zero, which is all that matters. Exactly, and and Cody and I talked about that as well. You know, it's like why does it feel underwhelming? You won twenty six to zero, right? I mean, but that's exactly it. The turning point is that KJ Hamler injury. It's just that culmination of we already lost Jerry Judy, we lost KJ Hamler now, and last season it was this guy and that guy and the other guy. So it kind of just feels like man, I just kind of want to overcompensate for losing that guy right by scoring a lot of points so let's talk about that KJ Hamler injury though that play right there so when I watch it back Tim to me it looks like you know another one of those things I've noticed in your film studies before you've talked about receivers need to come out a little bit flatter on on a particular route should KJ Hamler have come out flatter on that was that Teddy Bridgewater's fault obviously we don't necessarily need to assign blame to anyone in particular but talk us through that play and, and why that all went down the way that it did yeah, the the that one's interesting. It's it's what they run. They run it a ton. It's called Flutie, right? With the outside guys on the post and the slot guys on a sail. A lot of people call it like China. It, to me, it was it was a pretty good read, right? Like the corners giving ground, and then the flat defenders up based on you know they put a flat route out there. The flat defender came up, so he's just trying to squeeze it in, and then you know you get to one of those situations where hey, two guys driving the football, everybody jumps, you go to make a play, and and you just land awkwardly, right? Like, obviously, you know, it's one of those things that I think if Teddy were to look back at it, he'd say, oh, man, I wish I'd have put more tempo on it. But again, like, there's nothing you can do, you know, in a collision game of, hey, there's guys attacking the football. And I think KJ did a good job of going up and competing for the ball. And then, unfortunately, he comes down. And, you know, like, how many times has KJ Hamler can, gone for a contested catch and, and stuck his foot in the ground and then it been fine? Right. I think it's one of those things that we take for granted how often you see these guys in the air like Deontay Smith or uh, Devontae Smith last night for the Eagles went up and on a contested catch and came down and it looked kind of funny. And then he's fine. Right. Like you take for granted how many times these guys fall awkwardly and then they're perfectly fine. And then, you know, eventually your body kind of gives out, you know, with KJ, it's specifically hard, I think, with this offense, because. I do think he's the one receiver that's so different, right? Like there was a way to manufacture everything that Jerry did from, Hey, take the best of certain guys and you can apply it. You know, it's really hard to replace top end speed. I think the Spencer kid, I I think came in and did a pretty okay job. I also think he might've busted on some of his concepts. Um, When you look at the all 22, there's some stuff that it just doesn't make sense within the Broncos offense of why he would do that. So I wonder if that's part of why they don't feel great about 
turning the entire workload over to him. But I, I do think the KJ stuff, I mean, that's just a devastating one. Cause I, you know, I've come on here a bunch and talked about how much I like him. I just think he's a tremendous football player. And I think he presents something in that offense that, that it, it's really hard to replace in the NFL, just that top end speed. Yeah, well, not to mention his 28-yard catch and run he had on a big third down. Teddy stepping up and delivering a strike to him and just what he's able to do with his speed and his elusiveness after the catch, I think, is what the Broncos have missed the most. And, and they're hoping maybe you know a guy like David Moore can contribute to that. We'll, we'll have to wait and see uh, whether or not they bring somebody up from the practice court or if they go out and they get another guy, maybe like a Golden Tate or a downtown John Brown. That's something that Sarah and I were talking about here a little bit earlier. But, Tim, coming up here in just a moment, we're actually going to ask you a little bit more about – What's coming ahead for the Broncos against the Baltimore Ravens? But before we do that, Broncos country, i got to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of the show. It's a good friends over there at Built Bar. And Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Cookie Dough Chunk is officially gone in my household, so I have to put another order in for peanut butter brownie. Built Bar, they provide so many amazing different flavors, nine amazing flavors, including the occasional limited time flavors that you can get at Built.com. So get yourself, you or your family, a box of one flavor that contains 18 bars or a mixed box of 18 bars with different flavors that you can try out today to figure out which flavor you love the most. Not to mention, Built Bars are the healthiest protein bar on the market 17 grams of protein 130 calories and only four grams of sugar if you work out every day like me built bar is what i use every time i need something after a workout whether i hit the cardio or whether i do leg day or whether it's a chest day a heavy hitting workout built bar helps me repair some of those fibers and some of those muscles that i tear doing that strenuous activity not to mention it's a little bit of a healthy kick not to mention a dessert all in one little bar and that is Built Bar today. I want you to get your hands on a box of Built Bar by going to Built.com using promo code LOCK15. That's going to get you 15% off your next order today at Built.com. Once again, promo code LOCK15 is going to get you 15% off your next order at Built.com. All right, Tim, jumping into the fourth quarter action. Today's episode, Lockdown and Broncos. Looking ahead now, week four, the Baltimore Ravens, they're coming to town. We know their prolific offensive attack that they have, but we also know they have a very strong defense. Now, in a defense that oftentimes likes to go cover zero, they love to send a lot of pressure, and it seems like the Jets sent a lot of pressure at Denver as well, specifically on third down. Well, now Denver's dealing with injuries to Graham Glasgow and Dalton Reisner, who right now we have no idea whether or not they're even in question to play this week, and so you may have to factor in Atani Muti, Quinn Miners. Do you feel like, we talked about this last week, do you feel like Teddy can come into this game against Baltimore and hold on to the ball kind of as long as he's done so far through the first three weeks of the season? Well, what's hard is you can't hold the ball against Baltimore because they're one of the only teams that actually runs cover zero, right? I, I mean, there's jokes in the NFL and like inside NFL circles, like a lot of NFL coaches call cover zero, cover one. So like cover, right? Cover one, there's a safety deep. A lot of guys refer to that as cover zero in the NFL because that's, the only, like rarely do you see all out blitz. You normally see the middle of the field safety. So everyone calls it zero, right? I think, uh, you know, what's hard is, is he can't hold on to the ball the way he's been holding on to the ball. With that being said, they can design some pick plays to where you can get the ball out of your hand fast. And the way the Ravens play man behind it, you think that can lead to some big plays. Obviously it's really hard when you're getting a new guy involved in your system and trying to catch him up to speed and then simultaneously installing new stuff. Like that's a difficult task. What I will say is I think what we might see is a little more simplified game plan, like not as many new concepts, but Hey, we're going to just go ahead and extend these formations. So Teddy can really see what's going on. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw less 
of that flank set and bunch set tight because they want Teddy to be able to see what's coming at him. When you get into flank, you get in a bunch tight, you can really disguise those pressures. And that's an absolute nightmare as a quarterback when you're talking about, hey, I've got two new linemen plus a new receiver, plus they can disguise this thing. So I don't even know if my hot guy is going to recognize it. There's a lot of things that can come from playing from some of those tight sets. So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw the Broncos getting into some more, you know, flex sets where at least these guys are a little bit further extended away from, from the tackles. And I, and I think that would help Teddy not feel like he's got to hold the ball so long. We saw against the Jets, Tim, uh, a lot of almost what I would determine to be or what I thought just watching it live was a lot of force feeding the running game, you know, and like you mentioned in the previous segment, you know, you thought that maybe they didn't really necessarily have to open things up or try a lot of new things against this Jets team. And they kind of knew that. So the running game going forward, did you, first of all, did you feel like they were maybe trying to let's see if we can't work this work this running play and, and make it, just kind of make it work. It hasn't been working against these blitzes these first two weeks or three weeks, really. Do you think they tried to force feed that, and do you think that's going to be something that works out for them if they try it against the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, it's interesting, man. I think when you're facing cover zero, right, you, you, you sometimes like to run the ball because you know, hey, for every second and 12 you get into, you're going to pop one, right? There's going to be a lot of plays that – hey, they luck themselves into it. They stem into something and and you take it for a loss. But there's just as many plays where, hey, guess what? They ran two guys to one gap. We trapped them the other way and we popped one for 16. So I think you're going to see a dose of that run game for sure. In terms of force feeding it against the Jets, it's just one of those – like I felt like they were playing with a such a dominant lead for so long. Right. It felt like almost when I was watching the tape, it felt like almost in that third quarter that it started to be kind of more or less a four minute offense. Right. With things sprinkled into it. But I mean, the, the Jets were so incompetent on offense this week. Like it wasn't where it was like the Jags worried you after that first drive. Right. So you could tell the Jags yeah. scripted something special and had a good game plan because they gashed you on the first one. So then as a coordinator, as an offensive guy, you're thinking, OK, I got to keep my pedal to the metal. The Jets, it was just like, I tweeted out a clip, man. They ran they ran a bunch set and three shallows. Like, seriously, the last time I saw that was my four-year-old's flag football game this weekend, right? Like, we didn't banjo it very well, Cody, so I need you to come and talk to our defense, right? <laughs> my in-and-out guy just stood out there waiting for an out. So, all of a sudden, the follow's open. But, you know, like, that's not going to happen in the NFL, right? It just it was like one of those things that I think the Broncos, like, D coordinators watching right now, like, there's no way this is correct. So to me, it's like, I just think they were so incompetent on offense that it's like, let's just bleed the clock here. And I, and I, and I think you kind of saw that, you know, starting in the third quarter. Obviously, that's not going to be the case this week, right? You have the, bet, the fastest football player on the field gets the ball every single play for the Ravens. Like, that's something that you got to remember. So you're going to see a little bit more aggression, I think, from Coach Shermer, or you're going to see where they're trying to shorten the game. I just think the reality is that the Denver Broncos are no longer a team that has to shorten the game. Their offense is just as explosive as everybody else. And I know KJ Hamler, that sucks, but you're still going to get into 12 and be able to rip the ball down the field. Like Tim Patrick right now is who no one's talking about because he's a better 50, 50 ball catcher than Cortland Sutton right now. Like we got to face the reality of what's been going on this season. And Cortland had four shots against Jacksonville. It felt like to catch 50, 50 ball and came down with one. And Tim Patrick had two last week, and he made two great plays. Like, it wasn't like this was a good throw, and then he also made a pretty good catch. It was a great play by the receiver. So, to me, it's one of those things that 
that I do think, you know, there, there's some things that this Broncos offense is doing that I, that I'm excited about and, and leads me to think, man, I don't mind us getting into a shootout with some of these teams. Oh, what a what a game it would be if the Broncos and the Ravens got into a little bit of a shootout. Obviously, the Ravens coming off of a, a weird game against the Detroit Lions, so to speak. Yeah. It took a 66-yard field goal, and, you know, that might be good from 72 at altitude. So hopefully <laughs> the Broncos can keep the Ravens, you know, on the other side of the 50, not their own side. So, Tim, as always, my friend, thank you so much for joining us to talk about the Broncos offense, quarterback play, and more. And just a reminder, Broncos country, you can make Lockdown Broncos your daily go-to. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Broncos, your first listen of the day. Sarah and myself will be back tomorrow for a brand new episode of the show.